3: All right, appreciate you tuning in tonight. Here's what's going on in the NHL. The Oilers' next opponent is the Philadelphia Flyers. They trail Boston 2-1 in the third. In the second period, Columbus leads Winnipeg 2-1, and early in the third, the Rangers and Devils are tied 2-2. NBA tonight, two top teams in the Eastern Conference going head-to-head. Milwaukee leads Toronto 56-47 at the half. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in. The Oilers back at practice, 5 o'clock. They were on the ice at the community rink. You just heard from Alex Chason live on the show. uh, Very well-spoken, you know, the one thing he said about early in games, and we have heard this before. And we've heard it with different coaches and, and some different players, and it continues to be a problem. The Oilers generally do not start games well. And as Chason said, it's like we wait to see how the other team is going to play and, and then we get into it. And uh, as we've seen in some recent games, by then it is too late or you're playing severe catch-up for most of the night. And he said last year in Washington, they had the mentality for the first TV timeout, so that's the first whistle after six minutes into the game they they would play very direct straight ahead everybody would play the same the same way take initiative try to force the action hopefully the oilers can work that game work that into their game as a habit because it doesn't happen nearly enough brad malone by the way called up from bakersfield not able to practice today didn't make it in time my name is reed wilkins brendan escott is the producer of oilers now and uh, does post-game interviews in the oilers dressing room after home games brendan how's it going
2: Oh, things are great, Reed, and it's uh, it's interesting to be on this side of the phone call for a change,
3: by the way. Well, it's great to have you on the show, and uh, you attended the practice today. i got to jump right in. We played a couple clips from Oscar Kleffbaum, uh, but it's... I mean, he said positive things, but it sounded like from what was going on the ice, there were some question marks. What did you see there?
2: Yeah, it's. Uh, I got the sense of apprehension uh, in the post-game, or the post-practice conversations anyway, both from him and from Hitchcock, that... Obviously, they don't want to rush this back. They know how much he means to the team. But uh, I, I don't know if you ran the clip, but he was he was a little bit nicked up on a particular play. And you could see him at the bench kind of wincing and getting his hand looked at by the trainers. So I'm sure everybody's heart skipped a beat watching that one. But uh, as far as his skating and everything goes, I mean, I don't think he's too far away. And I also got the sense that that was something, because it was a hand injury, that he could continue to do uh, on his own time while he was recovering as well.
3: Okay, well, hopefully he's all right. They will practice again at 9 tomorrow morning and then fly to Philadelphia, so that'll be another story that they continue to watch. Did Hitchcock say anything about Andre Sekiro? Any further update there?
2: Uh, pretty much the same thing that we've been hearing. It's He's sort of saying that it's up to Sekiro when he wants to... Uh to give it a go in game action and also where that's going to be so i think we can all agree that's likely going to be a conditioning stint down at bakersfield but hitchcock did seem to leave it open that uh, not only when but uh, where he comes back is going to be up to him and that's all based on how he's feeling moving forward but from what i can understand he was he was participating today he was paired uh, paired up there with both gravel and, and petrovic who were uh kind of rotating in and out of stuff like that so you know, it's, it's about as much of a question mark now as it was prior to
3: the break as well. Okay. Well, Clefbaum clearly closer. And, and I said earlier, if Sekra comes back, I, I don't really know how he's going to play. If you get even 80% of the Sekra that he had two years ago, you're getting a pretty good player but he, he clearly wasn't at that level last year. With, with Clefbaum, I mean, sure, there's going to be some adjustments, but like you said, he's been skating. I, I think you'll get Clef, you know, the best Oscar Clefbaum back in the lineup. If Secker comes back, who knows uh, how he's going to play. I played the camp Talbot scrum. Clearly, there is now an even bigger question mark surrounding his future with the Oilers than there was before the Koskin Koskinen signing. Uh, you know, he said the right things. He wants to stop the puck. He wants to win. That helps the team. It helps him as an individual wherever he winds up next or when he's looking for a new contract. Um, but anything stand out for you there with uh, with what Talbot said?
2: Yeah, he was asked by Gene Principe about the nature of some of the meetings uh, with the leadership corps, and the answer to that from Talbot was that he hasn't participated in those meetings as part of the leadership core in quite some time now. So, uh, as soon as that was that came out, you know, all the media members are kind of looking at each other like, whoa. So uh, that was the most noteworthy thing, and that was the only real sense of him uh, showing any emotion with respect to Koskinen and getting that contract uh, a week or so ago. So, uh, like you said, Reed he was he was focused on saying all the right things as we expected, but that was one thing. It's seeing that he has fallen out of of uh, what they deem to be the leadership core, and I interpret that as well as obviously the, you know, part of the future and the directive of this team. He's, he's no longer involved in those conversations. So trying to keep it as, as politically correct as possible, but that did flip through.
3: Brendan Escott, producer of Oilers, now joining us on Inside Sports. Okay, I'll, I'll read off the line combinations again. This was from practice today. McDavid between Lucic and Ratty. Dry centered. Reader and on. Nuge was with Kara and Cassian. Brodziak with Cave and Puli Brad Malone's been called up. He didn't make it in time to practice. Uh, I mean, the, the, the line combinations are as uncertain as they've ever been, perhaps. Perhaps in the history of the Edmonton Oilers. From practice to practice, <laughs> game to game, shift to shift. What, if anything, did Hitch say about these combinations?
2: He mentioned that they're going to be more inclined to stick with them as long as they can into a game before it becomes time for them to to, uh, load up the offense. So I got the sense from what he was saying with respect to that read, that they they do notice that they've been doing it almost... uh, They've been too trigger-happy with it in the previous games, and they want to get some semblance of, of any kind of normalcy that they can. And and play that out as long as they can before they have to go and shorten the bench later in a game. But as far as what you saw and and uh, I heard there was some some pretty loud Twitter reactions when when those lines were released. But uh, Hitch made it clear that this is the way that he wants to go at least for the for the time being.
3: Well, I think they're going to be a three line team or maybe a ten forward team. I mean, really, I mean, he, I I don't know if he would come out and say that publicly but how do you look at those four lines and say that those are lines you can roll for 60 minutes I, I don't think you can
2: i agree with that and he has been so quick to to shuffle it around that i just i have a hard time believing he's suddenly going to deviate from that but obviously again he recognized at the very least that that was something that might have been plugging the dressing room and who knows whether the players stepped up and said we want to find some chemistry with particular guys, right? So we'll have to see how that plays out. But uh, the words from the horse's mouth reader that he wants to go with what uh, was displayed on practice tonight for as long as possible.
3: All right. Well, thanks for heading down there. Thanks for the clips you sent in, Brendan. Thanks for helping us get Alex Chase on as well. Really appreciate it. I'll see you tomorrow, man. Going to be a big weekend.
2: Sounds
3: good, Reed. Thanks for having me on. That is Brendan Escott checking in. He is the producer of Oilers now with Bob Stoffer, noon to 2 every day here on 630 Chet. So uh, we will see if uh, if Hitch uh, sticks with line combinations deeper into games than he has been, and if indeed they do go with uh, the three centers on different lines when they get to Philadelphia. On Saturday. It is 717. By the way, you can text 63630. Our phone number is 780 496 0063. We're back after this break.
1: You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports
2: with Reed Wilkins.
3: All right, I appreciate you tuning in tonight. James texting 63630 630. he says uh, hey reed take the zero off the 60 minutes that's how long those line combinations will last another texter says i don't think Clef Baum will be that great after he comes back. It took Nugent Hopkins a while after mangling his fingers. He blocked a shot in Florida a couple of years ago. We're going to find out soon enough. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in tonight. It is 7.22. We're going to have the owner of the Edmonton Prospects baseball team, Patrick Cassidy, on after the 7.30 news. He has a... Uh, Well, a bit of a pitch here for City Council. He's going to do it formally to City Council in a couple of weeks, but he had a news conference today to explain his plan. Wants to put about $3 million into upgrades to REMAX Field, and in exchange for this, asking for a 25-year lease for REMAX Field. Pretty bold plan. Patrick will give us the nuts and bolts in the next half hour of the show. Uh, Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. You, you remember those two great championship games from a couple of weeks ago and the blown call that helped the Rams get past the Saints in the NFC championship game. So you probably heard that some Saints season ticket holders went to a judge to try to force the game to be replayed. Two New Orleans Saints fans filed a lawsuit
2: asking a judge to force the NFL to implement a rule that allows the commissioner to look into an extraordinarily unfair act after an apparent penalty went uncalled, potentially costing the Saints a trip to the Super Bowl. Wednesday, Commissioner Roger Goodell said the rule was not relevant in this case. The
0: commissioner will not apply his authority in cases of complaints
2: by
3: clubs concerning judgmental errors for routine errors by game officials.
2: And Thursday, a federal judge rejected claims those two were entitled to an order forcing the NFL to
3: act. Brian Clark, ABC News. All right. Well, surprise, surprise. They're not going to replay the game. Kellen Kennedy is our studio producer. He is back after
1: a few days off. Kellen, please tell me about your experience at the Royal Rumble. It was amazing. Yeah, I got uh I lucked out. I got four seats, probably about 10 rows from ringside for the uh Night of Wrestling at Chase Field. First of all, being in Chase Field, what an amazing venue Reed. it is. My it was my first time in an MLB ballpark and that's that is just top-notch sports facility right there. It's amazing. All right, so you've been to what two Wrestlemanias? Yeah, and one Royal Rumble. And
3: now you've been to a Royal Rumble. So what they had a championship match, mm-hmm. and then they had the Royal Rumble on top of that.
1: Yeah. Do they always do it that way? Yeah, they start, They stack the card. It's the first big card of the year, so they just stack it. Now, what, what is the atmosphere like at a Royal Rumble? Because there's
3: cheering and excitement, mm-hmm. but as you and I both know... And hopefully people listening know, hopefully we're not going to ruin the world for anybody. <laughs> the results are predetermined. Right. So what do you cheer about? What do you cheer for when you attend the Royal Rumble or one of these big events?
1: Well, for me, uh, I hope my favorite gets a good number in the Royal Rumble drawing and uh, because they start at one and then two. And then every 90 seconds, a new wrestler joins the fray, right? So you hope your wrestler, you hope your favorite gets a good number that's late in the drawing, and you hope he's there at the end, or she's there at the end, whatever the case may be. Now, who's your favorite wrestler? Seth Rollins. Oh, and he won. And he won it, yeah. was
3: that expected? Because they obviously have storylines. Totally not expected. Really?
1: Totally not expected. No, I think uh, a lot of people had either Braun Strowman or Drew McIntyre winning that one. But uh, uh,
3: Drew, I honestly don't know who this Drew McIntyre. It sounds like an accountant. <laughs> what are you doing this morning? Oh, I got to meet with Drew McIntyre. Okay. So no. Seth Rollins won. So how does this set him up career-wise?
1: Is well, he one of the bigger names? Is he becoming a bigger name? Well, he is a big name right now, and he's got a one-way ticket to WrestleMania to face Brock Lesnar. Uh, and, who, and who's the champ? Brock Lesnar. Oh, I thought this Daniel Bryan was the champ. He's a WWE champ. That's a different show. That's SmackDown.
3: There's okay. two brands.
1: <laughs> so, I thought they so, merged them. No, they've separated them again. So they have two again.
3: champions. Yes, they've separated them. So is this like the, the American League and the National that's League, right, or do they yeah. just never fight each other? Yep. The so, only what ti- did Dan- so, so what did Daniel Bryan win? The WWE title. And that's what does Brock Lesnar have? The Universal title. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be bigger than the World title? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, they, they're trying to uh, to, to push so it. So was chess. the Royal
3: Rumble just
1: guys from SmackDown or Raw, or was uh, that a mix? It was a mixture of guys from SmackDown and Raw. So the winner of the Royal Rumble gets a chance to on their brand to challenge their brand's big champion. I never thought I would say this. Hmm. I don't
3: follow wrestling because it's too confusing. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Well, that's great,
1: buddy. I'm glad mm. you had a good time. It's good to see you back. And here. as you can tell, my voice is just pooch. That was four straight days, days of yelling. Good stuff.
3: <laughs> All right. Kellen Kennedy had a great experience at the Royal Rumble. This is Inside Sports on 6:30 Chad. Prospects owner Patrick Cassidy when we get back. <laughs>
1: is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton
2: Sports Leader 630 Chad.
3: Man, the Raptors getting spanked tonight. Milwaukee up 78-59, four and a half minutes left in the third. Flyers and Bruins tied 2-2 in the last minute of the third. Three minutes left in Jersey. The Rangers lead the Devils for three so Benijad has a hat trick for the Rangers. And late in the second period, Columbus with a 3-2 lead on the Winnipeg Jets. Oilers at Flyers. Saturday morning on 6.30 Chet. Face-off show at 9.30. The game will start at 11. Then our broadcast will start at 10.30 noon face-off on Sunday when the Oilers visit the Montreal Canadiens. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. We've had a lot on the Oilers tonight. You can get more on 630 chedcom Brad Malone has been called up from the farm. Alex Chason joined us a little bit earlier as well. Oscar Kleffbaum still in wheel C mode. He is not guaranteed to play in Philadelphia on Saturday. The Oilers will practice again 9 o'clock tomorrow morning and then head to Philadelphia. Well, the Edmonton Prospects have uh, really built up a fan base, beautiful ballpark, REMAX Field in the River Valley. Their lease for that ballpark expires after this season. The owner of the team... Wants a 25-year lease to the facility, and he joins us now, Patrick Cassidy. Patrick, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much, Reed. Yeah, well, nice thanks for making thanks for making time for me tonight. Uh, obviously, uh, you and the Edmonton prospects uh, making some news today with the uh, announcement that, that you're prepared to put some money into upgrading the field. And uh, you're looking for a longer lease at REMAX Field, which I think is exciting for baseball fans. But let's start with the uh, amount of the upgrade you're pitching in the in the neighborhood of $3 million, Patrick. What are you looking at here? What would these upgrades be?
4: Well, we've got a number of things that uh, we feel are, are important uh, to get done. Um, I guess first and foremost, we've got uh, some old lights, stadium lights that uh, were the old 1500-watt, metal allied lights. They were the modern fixture of the day back in 1995, but they've been passed by uh, LED lights. And I mean, the, the thing about the LED lights is, is it's going to improve the quality of the lighting on the field, but more importantly, we're going to be able to save a ton of energy and uh, reduce the spike on the grid, which is one of the challenges with the ballpark in terms of our transmission and distribution charges. So that that's... Uh, sort of first and foremost on our list um we think a new led high resolution digital board would be a great add-on um i think i'm somebody quoted me today saying it was 1950s technology i was kind of joking but uh, I, I kind of uh equate it to the old light brights we used to play with as kids it's uh, you know it's it's just kind of past its time and you're Putting messages up on the board and you can't really read them because the resolution is not high enough, and it's virtually impossible to, uh, you know, sell any sort of advertising on that board. Um, it, uh, it's just not something that's sellable, and so it comes down to uh, functionality but also just enhancing the uh, customer experience, the fan experience at the ballpark. Today's day and age, uh, digital boards are a big part of uh, you know, big part of the entertainment, and we think that's another. Item that needs to be uh, upgraded. Uh, we're at that point where we need to do something with our artificial turf. We've got that artificial turf infield; it's probably ten years old or more, and uh, it's uh, it's just kind of worn out and mm-hmm. needs needs an upgrade. And um, it, you know, I think uh, there's a couple factors: there. playability, but also mm-hmm. but also just the safety to our athletes is uh, is one of the concerns and. We, uh, we, we know it's been needed for a few years now, and we've kind of lived along, but it's something that just has to be done. Uh, in line with uh, sort of improving the uh, the fan experience, again, we're, we're, we're looking at a, a new kids' play zone we'd like to add maybe on the third base side there. We think that would be a great added amenity and would uh, you know not only attract more fans to the, the ballpark, but I think families would appreciate uh, the idea of maybe taking your three-, four-year-old when they get sort of antsy after the third or fourth inning down to the kids' play zone and, and uh, you know, having a, that added to the evening entertainment. Um, we've got some ideas on the first base side. We've got those bleachers there, those steel bleachers. see about a about 1,000. We think that we'd like to have those removed and maybe do some upgrades to, a, to the deck down there, maybe uh, install an outdoor concession-type scenario. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you're seeing more and more in today's new modern ballparks is uh, different types of seating setups, patio setups, concession setups, and that would be a, a terrific spot to, uh, to locate that. We're thinking, uh, along with that, uh, maybe, maybe not this phase, but maybe a, a phase down the road. You know, we might look at adding some uh, some offices down there as well, and, and uh, maybe uh, maybe a, a restaurant type setup. Uh, so, so you know, those kinds of things. There, there's there's rooms there's room down there for it, and uh, it's it's the type of stuff that just adds to the energy and excitement going down the ballpark. Um, along those same lines. We we we, uh, we see the home plate lounge needs some upgrades, uh, needs some work done from a cold standpoint. Uh, we think the flooring needs to be redone so when you, you put your beer on the table, it doesn't tip over all the time. Just some some things to make it more user friendly and functional. Uh, what we're hearing from the local community in Los and, and Riverdale and those types of areas is, is they'd like to see that that facility that. That home plate lounge maybe opened up year round, and we've talked to the city about that in the past. And it's it's something we feel is uh, viable and uh, something we'd like to to make happen. But th- before we can do that, it does need does need some work. Uh, we want to get a little more involved in the uh, concert business, and in, in order to do that, you know, with any kind of um, um, efficiency, there's some things we need to do in terms of you know protecting your field. In terms of uh, some of the uh, egress for larger crowds out of the ballpark, especially if you got people down on the field, Um, and uh, some handicap type stuff. So there's there's some stuff there that's kind of kind of boring stuff, but needs to be done. So Patrick, and getting sorry, I got one more item. Sir, go go ahead. Uh, While we're on the items here, uh, just a little more work to the mechanical electrical. We think we can. You know save uh, another twenty five thirty thousand dollars in efficiencies there by you know making a few upgrades to the mechanical and electrical systems in the ballpark uh the the lighting issue we've sort of projected that as you know probably a seventy seventy five thousand dollar a year savings uh from the uh electrical transmission distribution charges and and energy and whatnot so all told uh electrical mechanical maybe a hundred thousand dollars of savings to be realized
3: so are these all things you can do in relatively short order if if you decide to go ahead with them or are these projects that might take several years to complete
4: no i think this is the kind of stuff that uh i think within uh, a a year um you know you, you sort of can handle them concurrently i think within a year you could you could probably get the most of them done they're definitely not a like a three, four, five-year project. This would be, let's get this done and, and and do it now. And you know it might take uh, five, six months to do it, or four, or five months, something like that. But as you know, we kind of a seasonal business, and we uh, we wouldn't do it in uh, May, June, and July. Let me tell you that.
3: Patrick Cassidy, joining us on Inside Sports, owner of the Edmonton Prospects. So, you know, with this, obviously, you're saying you're happy to do this, but you're looking for a 25 year lease on the ballpark. That's a long time. How did you come up with that? With that number, you're certainly thinking very long term here.
4: Well, yeah, and uh, I think uh, um, you know, we've been we've been operating for so many years. At first, it was year to year. Uh, we, you know, we would uh, we were operating under the uh, the Oilers group at the ballpark, and there was always talk that next year they were coming back. So, so year to year, we didn't know what we were doing. Uh, this this four year license we got with the city was, was 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 very nice, but this is the final year of that four year lease. So you can you can see how quickly these things come and go. Um, and so, uh, yeah, 25 years seems like a long time. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to create some some certainty and some stability in the, in the baseball world here, and I think it's it's something that's been sadly missing for for many years, and and it's one of our one of our goals is to you know is to establish baseball as a as a, a major sports in, in in this market and at that ballpark, and um, we, you know that's I, I maybe 25 years might seem like a lot, but. We're just looking for a long-term deal that uh, uh, can can give fans the comfort in knowing that hey, this this group and this team and that ballpark is here to stay for 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 the indefinite future, and uh, we like that idea.
3: Well, and and you know, I mean, you and I have talked in the past about how much attendance has risen since you guys. To move there over, over the years you've owned the franchise. So I assume you're you're looking at this as as a way to keep that attendance up there and that promise that the team's going to be there a long time.
4: Absolutely. Um, last year we finished 14th in North America in all of uh, summer collegiate baseball. Um, <clears throat> you know, we, we, we put more people in the seats per game than a lot of uh, rookie league affiliated baseball leagues as well as A-leagues. So we're not quite sure where the ceiling is in terms of uh, you know where we kind of where we'll max out. We, we know, for instance, in, in Vancouver, they've over the years they've done a great job out there with the Canadians, and since that ownership's taken over, and, uh, and I think in 2007, and now they're averaging about 6,500 fans per game, and they've maxed out simply because that's that's capacity. So um, capacity in Edmonton is 8,500, roughly. Uh, you take those bleacher receipts out of there. We're still we're still looking at seventy five hundred. Not sure, you know, if if we'll ever get there, but um, you know, we're certainly thinking four or five thousand isn't unrealistic within the next three to five years. All right. So, so yeah, we, we want to keep building and keep adding to the fan base year to year.
3: All right. So you're taking this to, to the city now. Um, mm-hmm. m- Mid February. I-, I mean, any idea how this is going to be <laughs> going to be received with them? You've, you've kind of you've kind of put some pretty powerful cards out here on the table already before before you're uh, pitching to them.
4: Well, we uh, you know we, we, we we're aware that the city is looking at putting out a request for proposal, uh, basically putting our our team out to tender the ballpark and the team because. You can't have a ballpark without a team. So they, you know, I, I guess our option was to just sort of sit and, and and see what happens to us. We thought we'd be more proactive. We thought that, uh, you know, we've we've gone too far with this. We've got a lot of lot of uh, time and energy invested in this ballpark and in this ball team. And when we took on this uh, challenge four years ago, it wasn't just to say let's do this for four years and quit. It was let's do this for four years and see if we can't turn this into something
3: that's uh, really exciting and really viable for for Edmonton
4: okay well we look how will they receive it I don't know
3: (laughs) 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 that's well you have given us a story to follow that's for sure but but this this is this is interesting and again Patrick I mean we've talked a lot in the past and I I admire everything you've done to to build up the team and get people going to that ballpark because it is such a beautiful spot in the city so we'll definitely keep an eye on this thanks a lot Patrick look forward to having you on the show again
2: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and member FDIC.
3: Edmonton Prospects owner Patrick Cassidy. U of A Golden Bears hockey forward Luke Philp when we get back.
2: Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on
3: 630 Chen. Well, Philadelphia has now won six in a row. They beat the Bruins 3-2 in overtime. Goaltender Carter Hart from Sherwood Park, big part of the Flyers' recent success. Oilers in Philly on Saturday. The Rangers beat the Devils 4-3 after two. It's the Blue Jackets up 3-2 on the Jets. And uh, I mentioned it's a... Tough night for the Raptors, but they are catching up now within six of Milwaukee early in the fourth, 87-81, the score on that one. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Oil Kings in PA tomorrow, and the Golden Bears hockey team ranked number one in the country. Home games tomorrow and Saturday at Claire Drake Arena against Lethbridge. And I'm pleased to welcome to the show Golden Bears forward Luke Philp. Luke, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Good, good. How are you guys Doing great. Awesome to have you on the show. We had the arena classic Machine Head by Bush playing coming back from commercial. Uh you might have not been born when that song came out, but what is your favorite pump up song or a song you associate with being played in hockey arenas?
0: Oh uh, yeah, I don't really know. <laughs> Tough one to start. Um yeah, I don't know there's lots of different ones I can't name
3: one in particular right now but have you heard of Thunderstruck by AC/DC cuz you definitely weren't born oh, when yeah. that came out. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I like <laughs> ACDC, so Well there's good. There you go. Great to have you on the show, Luke. Obviously, uh, you guys are having a great season. Ranked number one in the country, still second in Canada West because neither you nor the Saskatchewan Huskies have lost a lot of games. You play Lethbridge this weekend. They will host Nationals because they're the host, or they will be in Nationals because they're the host, though they're only 8-14-2. Tell me a little bit about the Pronghorns. What do you expect this weekend?
0: Um, we expect a competitive team. Um, uh, they've, been, they've been getting better of late, and... Um you know, they always they play us hard at the Drake. Uh, every time they come here, they give us a couple of good games. So we're expecting some uh, good competition this weekend.
3: All right. You know, I had Alex Chase on, on the show about an hour ago, and he talked about how the Oilers need to be better in the starts of games. I would say my experience with the U of A Golden Bears for perhaps decades has been that they often start games very well and take the initiative. What do you guys focus on in the first five, ten minutes to make sure you get off on the right foot and you're kind of not wading into the game, you're taking the initiative? What are some of the things you talk about or focus on?
0: Yeah, I don't know. We we talked about that as a team earlier in the year, too, and we've gotten much better of it of late. I think we just, um, for us, uh, different guys are different, but I think we get our feet moving first, um, be skating. The more you skate off the bat, um, the better off you're going to be. And I, I think it's been good for us lately is try and get a, a bump or two in early. I think when you bring uh, the physical side of the game early, it always helps.
3: In, in terms of this, this race with the Huskies at the top of the standings, I mean, you're going to be favored going into the playoffs. If you meet in the league final, as, as the two schools often do, um, you, you know, there's the higher seed is going to get home ice. They don't have Rutherford Rink anymore, so there's no asbestos going to be falling on your head. Uh, how, how focused are you on getting number one in Canada West, or is that not something you're thinking about too much?
0: Yeah, well, we're we're focused on winning our games. Um, we, we lost a few games early in the year that kind of set us back um, with regards to the first place. I think we're, we're one point back of them now. We have been for a while. But, uh, yeah, it hasn't seemed that too many other teams have beat them, so... We're kind of expecting them to win, but we're expecting to win too. Um, you know what they what they do is out of our hands, so uh, we're going to try and win our games. If we get home ice, we get home ice. But if not, um, uh, we'll have to we'll have to go to Saskatchewan
3: if we meet them in the finals. Seven o'clock games both nights at Claire Drake Arena. If you want to check out Luke Phillip and the Golden Bears against the Pronghorns, look, uh, Luke, you 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 produce points, you had 40 last year, you already have 37 in 20 games this year. Have you noticed teams doing anything to counteract your offense? Do you face top D? top checkers do you face layers of defense like teams often talk about now what what do you find you're contending with that maybe you didn't when you were a rookie and, and teams didn't know you as well
0: um well i think with us the main thing is um we have four lines that attack and four lines that can play offense and 60 to count as well so um i think when we get wearing teams down they're not able to get matchups that they want, or if they want to get certain guys out there against certain guys for our team. But we've had uh, we've had scoring throughout the whole year, and I think that's the hardest thing for other teams when if they're trying to play a matchup game with us, is we got we got uh, so much depth on our team.
3: Well, no doubt about that. And you, what is it, nine in a row, a row? You've won now. Yeah, I believe so. All right, well, pretty good stretch for you guys. Luke, it's always great to have you on the show. Continued success. I know we'll talk again before the end of the season. Really appreciate your time.
0: Okay, yeah, thanks for having me, guys.
3: That is Luke Philp from the U of A Golden Bears hockey team. So he had 40 points in 28 games last season, 37 in 20 so far this year. We're one of the guys powering a very deep offensive team for the Golden Bears. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy is your studio producer. Had Brendan Escott, Alex Chason, Patrick Cassidy, Kelly Rudy all on the show. We're back tomorrow. And then of course the two hockey broadcasts on the weekend. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6
2: on 630 Chad.